The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to the very last episode of New York Magazine's Sex Lives. I'm Maureen O'Connor and I am here in studio with my two original co-hosts. We have Allison P. Davis, writer at The Cut, and she is actually back working at New York Magazine again. I am. Can't stay away from you, Mo. Yeah. (laughs) And we have my editor, David Wallace-Wells, the original host. I feel like it's been 20 years since we started. Do you guys feel like so much older than... Yeah. Or no? I don't know. Black don't crack. I look the same. (laughs) (laughs) You guys. (laughs) I was shocked when I looked back and realized that we had been doing this for two years. So crazy. Which... Yeah, I can't believe you guys let me do a profit-losing enterprise for two years. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that was kind of a startling surprise, but yeah, I guess it's I guess it's about time. I feel like I've been through like eight boyfriends in the time that we've been doing this. I have been through none. Still. Oh, there you go. <laughs> for this last episode, we are going to be talking about breakups. We have voicemails from listeners. We have some of our favorite old guests have called back in to tell us about their messiest breakups and stuff. And I'm wondering if maybe first, David and Allison, do you want to tell me, do you have any philosophy about the best way to break up or the worst way? Do you believe in staying friends after breakup? Well, I think first you should explain why you think the best way to break up is by text message. Oh, yeah. This is a theory I have that I think gives me, puts me in the minority. Yeah. I infinitely would rather be dumped by a text message or email, then deal with someone who wants to break up in like a dramatic or unpleasant way. Like as soon as the breakup happens, I basically just want to get out of there as fast as possible. And anybody who wants to like sit down, talk it out. If a man is going to sit down and try to dump me and then start crying and need to be comforted, that is like the worst. I I built this theory when a straight guy I knew told me a story about how he dumped a girl and he started crying and he was like so embarrassed that he had to, it ended with him like he was holding his hand over his face while he cried and she comforted him and told him he wasn't a bad guy and they end up sleeping together even though they were dumping and I was like, that is an exact scenario in which I would take a one line text message and be done. Absolutely. And you're happy to be on either side of that text message, sending or receiving. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I have broken up with people by text and email. But (laughs) usually, like, if it's, you know, far enough along, I will, like, do the courtesy, like, show up, break up. And then in that moment, are you, like, cruel? Because it sounds like you're basically advising people just (laughs) to be cruel. cruel. No, not cruelty. (laughs) I just believe in efficiency. Coldness, yeah. Yeah, because you know what? It's going to feel like shit no matter what. Like, even if... It's like a Band-Aid theory. Yeah, it's the Band-Aid theory. Exactly. Um, And I also feel like being nice to somebody while you're dumping them, like, that just makes them feel worse, right? You need to help them get to their anger phase of their grief cycle. I Actually, I agree with that. There was this, you like the anger phase I of like, the grief cycle. I love the anger phase of the grief. So I, you have to let yourself be the villain. It is really selfish to refuse to be the villain when you're dumping someone. There was this song from some musical called, uh, the musical. The song's called Tell Me on a Sunday. And it's like this long ballad about this woman who wants to be dumped in like the, the nicest way possible. So like on a Sunday after they've gone to the zoo to see the monkeys. No. And, like, and <laughs> that used to be my philosophy. Like you just need to do it in the nicest way possible. Like take them to your favorite spot by the lake and then dump them there in like a loving 
long discourse about how wonderful they are, but like why that they you just need to just do it quickly. No, because you quickly do it that in way. A public place. Then you're like, my God, I've got the best boyfriend in the. Oh my God, the perfect man <laughs> in the world doesn't think I'm good enough for him. You know, like that feels like shit. No, yeah, that's true. I've tried it a couple times. I like went to like a beautiful lake near Oakland, and we, oh my like, God, spent all day swimming, and then I was like. No more. We're not like we're not doing this anymore. But you knew you were going to do that all day. All day, yeah. What? How? That did must you... have been tortured for. Like, how did you? Um, or were you happy all day, and then you're like, all right, it's like four thirty. I got to <laughs> go to this other date. It was like just much nicer to him, I think, than I had been for several months, and like, so he was having a. Gr- oh, right. yeah. <laughs> I see why this was flawed. But now I agree with you. Like, you need to do it faster. I mean, and in if a I public was... place. Because you've yeah. already had all of the fights that explain why the breakup's coming. Like, people know why you're breaking yeah. up with them. So you can just do it quickly and sternly. Kindly, I mean, like, if I really hated a guy, I might try to be really nice to him so he felt like shit when I— Like, you know, like, if somebody yeah. did something, like, unbearably horrible to me, like, maybe I would do that out of— But I've never actually hated someone enough to dump them in a really cruel way. I was just trying to be nice. That wasn't— <laughs> I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> okay, I guess I'm not good at this. <laughs> no. I don't know if that's warped. Yeah, I actually think it's that, yeah, overall, in the long run, it's better to just, like— to let yourself demanded. be the bitch and just know, like, look, he's not going to get over it and you're not going to move on until he's able to tell all his friends, Maureen is such a cunt right. and move on. Or So, like, I give them that to them. <laughs> I'm a great person. It's like a little gift. You're like, yeah, yeah a little gift card. It's my you going can, away you can call me a cunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everyone can do that. I do give all <laughs> ex-boyfriends permission to do that. That's so nice of you, Mo. <laughs> David, you haven't been uh, dumped in a while, I imagine. It's been a long time. In a yeah. while. Is it? David being the, the token committed married person yeah, for those it was a really, who, who it was might sort not of a recall. weird idea to put that kind of a person on this show to start with but anyway well it's funny well, I was, the balance worked right I was realizing what a warped world we live in that like your life is the really like exotic and daring and strange well for you too one. yeah totally and I'm like what is it like to be in a committed married relationship I don't know I think for she everyone the weird. toothbrush thing was exotic and weird yeah. so <laughs> yeah I mean I the th- I am always rooting for everybody I know to break up because I don't want anybody to be happy but me <laughs> Um, that, that is like the truest thing you've ever. Like, it makes so much sense. <laughs> but I also I think it's like totally okay to cheat on someone as a way of breaking up with them. That's sort of an unpopular opinion. Um, <laughs> this is said like a person who is absolutely not at risk of being broken up with. <laughs> well, I just feel like sometimes it's, people find it hard to actually go through with the breakup, and like if cheating is like a way to make it happen. Sometimes you just need fine. every tool in the arsenal. Yeah, totally. To get out. Listen to the let's start. We have so many. How many do we have? We have this is a long bullet list. We've just got a lot. Let's just go and we'll see how Wait, many how we get through. I don't have a bullet oh, yeah. List. First, we have a message from Brian Moylan, who you last heard on an episode called Botox for Buttholes. And she told us about <laughs> cosmetics, cosmetic procedures for assholes. A really riveting episode. But, anyways, he called in to tell us a crazy breakup story. 
My favorite breakup revenge story is from back in my early 20s when I met a very handsome gentleman at a gay bar and we went home together and started sleeping together on the regular, but not really dating per se. But after about six months of this going on and sleeping together regularly, I discovered that he was married to a woman and had children. And I just Uh, couldn't believe it. So I told him I had to stop seeing him. And I was very upset about it because I had grown to become quite fond of both this gentleman and the time we were having in the sack together. So... Then about two or three months after I broke up with him, I was driving down the street in a, I was in the passenger seat and I saw him with the wife and the kid in the baby stroller on the side of the road and decided as revenge for this man cheating on his wife with me for so long that I would lean out the window of the car and say, Hey, John! As, like, queenie as I possibly could. So he would then have to explain to his wife on the street why some skinny 20-year-old queen was leaning out the side of a Volkswagen Jetta, screaming his name and waving at him. And uh, hopefully they're divorced today. <laughs> I, is it... Is it me or is like if would the wife actually actually know to interpret that properly? That seems so the like story, just some gay guy like screaming across the street like that happens all the time. <laughs> I will say that's part of why I love this story though is that like Brian's great act of revenge is just the assumption that his own just like unstoppable sexiness Sex- yeah. <laughs> like cause wreak havoc. And I have to say I do think that that is like when they're like looking good is the best revenge or like whatever right. it is that you're like. Feeling that like bomb about yourself is cool. Not to be good. mean about him, but wait, what was he objecting to? Was he objecting to the guy being like the guy having a family? Yeah. Why was that offensive to him? I think because he met the guy and he thought that they were just like dating and stuff, and then he, he found out single. that the guy was married to a lady, and that but it seemed like they were Brian basically the just secret. fucking in like a casual way, and neither of them wanted like a relationship. So in which case, if the guy happened to like. Maybe. I don't know. When you're 20 years old, it's all very confusing. Also, I feel like maybe he would have had moral objections to being the other man, you know? Like, maybe he didn't want to. Yeah. But maybe they had an arrangement. Yeah. Okay. But But here's the thing. should have been put on the table, David. (laughs) Why are you defending this guy? (laughs) The feeling of finding out you've been turned into the quote-unquote other woman, which might be a phenomenon that happens more to women, perhaps. Right. But um, that is deeply, deeply irritating to me because I'm like, even if you're in your, like, open relationship or even if you're doing whatever you're doing, like, I didn't ask to be pulled into your drama. I'm a, you know, to treat single people as sort of, like, objects in your own personal, like, sexual journey is just really irritating. Right. Also, just like be upfront about it. If he was in an open relationship, yeah, that should be something you volunteer. Everyone's in a finding very out open relationship now, anyway. Even if you were totally, totally casual with somebody, finding out that what to you is just like casual, whatever, is to them a dirty secret. Yeah, feels really bad. That does, yeah, I think Brian should have gone one step further. Like, oh, really? Went up to him and given him a kiss. Said, "I haven't seen you in so long." Really, just like thrown the flame <laughs> but then there's a fear that the kids will remember oh, that yeah, and you'll forever true. be etched in their memory someone. i know i never want to think that i'm in like the discussion of someone's therapy session that day yeah. yeah yeah and that's why getting pulled into someone else's <laughs> marital drama is really irritating i feel like i would be so flattered to be in someone's God, this is like therapy so, this session says so much about you this episode has been so revealing already <laughs> on that note um <laughs> 
When we interviewed Dan Savage a few weeks ago um, for an episode called Dan Savage's Sex Life, he threw in a little bonus by telling us um, a breakup story from his youth. What is the shittiest thing you've done while breaking up with someone? (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a nice person. (laughs) I never break up with anybody. I put them to sleep. Uh, instead, so they ne- they go to sleep and they never wake up and they never realize they were broken up with. <laughs> I was with a guy for a year. We lived together. We committed too soon. We made all the mistakes that if somebody had written to me, I would have told them not to make. Like we mm-hmm. moved right in with each other. We said, "I love you" right away, and it was that kind of hurried, instant intimacy, hustled along by the fact that I was turning thirty and I was single. And I was like, "I don't want to be single and ancient and 30. so I'm going to marry this guy who's super hot and long blonde hair and tall and giant mouth. All the things I look for in a human. And, you know, nine months in, I realized this is a mistake. Uh, He has anger management issues that he needs to tackle and probably tackle single. Also was insanely jealous, insanely jealous. And I would, uh, if somebody talked to me in a restaurant around the street, he would blow up at me. Mm -hmm. They were flirting with me and I let them and I'm a monster. And uh, it was really, it was always like freaked out. I was going to cheat on him. And then I went out of town for two days and I came home and he tearfully confessed he cheated on me. And, I looked at him and said, oh, was he cute? Can we have a three-way? And then he got mad at me that I wasn't mad at him for cheating on me because that wasn't the right response. And I, w- I stood there going, okay, you've been raking me other clothes about jealousy for s- nine months. You cheat on me and I'm in trouble? How did you do that? That is like That's some jiu-jitsu. excellent re- relationship jujitsu. Fucking hell. And I knew, I made up my mind I was going to break up with him. Uh, and it was Thanksgiving. And he was coming home on Thanksgiving. And I was, I didn't want to be the person who dumped somebody on a holiday, right? So you have to think about getting dumped on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I left town and left him alone on Thanksgiving, which maybe is bad. Because I knew the first thing out of my mouth when I saw him was, yeah. maybe it's over. And I left town and came back and on that Saturday or something. So he was just there being like, where's Dan? No, I left him a note. Oh, okay. I ran home to be with my family for Thanksgiving, went back to Chicago and walked in the front door and he was laying on the couch and he put his arms up and said, hi, honey. And I said, it's over. I'm done. Did you move out or did he? I fled. Oh yeah. You just ran. I ran. That wasn't so bad. Are you not supposed to say I love you early in a relationship? I feel like that's such a hard rule. That's such a weird rule. I don't think that's a rule. I think it's whenever it feels right. And you won't be embarrassed. I do think sometimes if you say I love you and the other person doesn't love you back yet, they feel compelled to, like, yeah. go with it. Yeah. And I think that's when you get, like, you can have, like, a sort of miscommunication if you, like, are going too crazy. I think of the times I've said I love you back to someone and didn't mean it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes. I don't think I've ever been put in that position. Really? I just don't say it back. Oh, wow. I mean, you've cold, got discipline. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I just say it. Really? That's really horrible. What, not to say it or just to say no, it? No, just, I don't know, which is worse. I think it might be bad that I just say it. Well, I don't know. When someone says it, sometimes, like, you're all, there's a lot of mood in the room. Right. <laughs> Maybe you kind of feel like it. You can always just, like, bypass it with a kiss, you know? There you go. It's easy. That's your move. <laughs> That's my move. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I say this as someone who's, like, I, you know, I'm, I've not been in this position, like, for, like, a super long time, but I feel like is. Is like I love you such a precious commodity. I feel like you should like you should be able to say that to like anybody you sort of even know in your life. 
Doesn't seem crazy. But you say it in a different way. Yeah. But you could say it that way to somebody who's like, I don't know. You're just like if if you're if you're hanging out with somebody for like a couple months, like I feel like almost certainly you have some feelings of love for them. Or even like a couple days. Wow, you'd be a perfect candidate on The Bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> I recently like professed my love to someone, and I will never do it again. Oh no! No, it's just like if someone doesn't. You mean know someone how to who respond, you were not involved with? It was like a. We were involved, but it was like a like sort of casual. See, this is yeah. why you like really do have to hold back. You're right. So I was like, because you can tell when somebody is just like shocked and horrified at the news you're delivering. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think waiting is is best. There's a definite too early. Uh-huh. It's self-protection. It's, it's, it's yeah. Do you know what the response is going to be? And if you don't know what the response is going to be, it's are you really, willing to risk that? That's a real gamble. Yeah. Which, like, sometimes you just got to do if you're trying to win The Bachelor. Or if you're just bored. All right. So we have a voicemail from a listener named Maria who has a completely wild breakup story of a type I've never heard before. So let's listen to that. My boyfriend and I announced the ending of our long-term May-December romance publicly on Facebook Live just just a few months ago. Um, if you're interested, the video is still online and public, so if you want to watch it or use the audio, you're more than welcome to. Um, some background, uh, my now ex-boyfriend, Scott, and I, we had been dating for five years. We were living in Las Vegas, where, where I'm originally from. We met when I was 22, and he was 49. <laughs> well, he's actually older than both of my parents. Whoa. Not like combined or anything, but <laughs> he's older than both of them now uh, at 55, and I'm, I'm 28. Uh, and when we first started dating, and even all throughout our relationship, we were very much in on the joke of our 27-year age difference, and, and that was our thing, and we loved it. If you think our big announcement is that we're engaged, ah. we're not. No. We're not getting married. Uh, not yet. <laughs> you got to leave your options open. Okay. Sure. Uh, we're not, so we're not having a baby. We're not pregnant. No. Heaven knows I've tried. Mm. <laughs> so no our big announcement is, <laughs> we're breaking up. She is correct. Really? Yeah. Uh, I've decided not to call it breaking up. Oh. I'm calling it uh, purposeful divergence. Yes. Conscious so uncoupling. Yeah, sure. Conscious uncoupling. Yeah. We're so no that's it. We're a couple. So this is amazing, and <laughs> you can tell he's fifty five because like he tried to like make a pop culture reference and like sort of got it wrong, you know. The conscious uncoupling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> you could also, I think, you could just tell his how old he was by his voice. Yeah. Yeah. I have never seen a Facebook Live announcement of a breakup before, <laughs> and that is haunting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really jealous. I really wish someone I know would do that. And that I could watch it. I I think this is like is they, this they should be like on a, a reality TV show. There's like a growing trend of like public pro our breakup sort of things. Like mm-hmm. a few years ago, there was a spate of divorce parties. Like Karen Elson and Jack White had one, and then oh. like some people I knew in in San Francisco had a breakup party. 
there are all these breakup selfie series that people do as they're like, it's like getting really public. I don't understand why. What do you do at your breakup party? Like hook up with other people? You just like toast each other and like it's like a funeral for your relationship. Huh. Yeah, it seemed. Is it fun? Oh. I didn't go. I just read read the invitation and then got the follow up from friends. And it, it feels like weirdly too public. I don't know. Did people like the party? Yeah, they got drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. I, I can see like if you're breaking up because say like someone has to move to a different continent, then it's like a goodbye party, breakup party. I guess a good a breakup party is a goodbye party. And would they say, like, they're, it's, like, sort of the whole life that they've built together is ending, so they wanted, like, the people who are part of it to, like... Also be a part of that. Like an upside-down wedding? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ah. I mean, that felt very Bay Area, but I'm just surprised to hear mm. that it's, like, happening elsewhere, too. In Vegas. <laughs> On Facebook Live. On Facebook Live. All over, really. I would be riveted if anyone who I don't even pay attention to on Facebook did that. I would totally watch. I'm probably going to do this now just for, like, shits and giggles. It sounds kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Full support, I'll watch. But wouldn't it be better if, like, he hadn't known that they were getting... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so cruel, but yes. He thought that they were getting engaged, and it's yeah. like, psych. <laughs> Lord knows I've tried. What did he say? <laughs> Lord knows I've tried. Oh, I'm so dark. <laughs> that was awful. That was amazing. Right. Thank you for calling in, Maria, <laughs> and telling Maria. us about your Facebook Live breakup. <laughs> um... So next, we have a phone call from Jolie Kerr, who you last heard on an episode called Is Clean Sex Possible? And another called The Dangers of a Too Clean Dick. (laughs) When I was in my late 20s, I was in a serious relationship that had fallen apart, but that I couldn't quite admit had fallen apart. When pretty suddenly this started to happen, every time my boyfriend would kiss me, All I could taste was mildew. My boyfriend literally mildewed on me, and I couldn't exactly hose him down with bleach to solve the problem, and it was really something. Um, We we did end up breaking up, obviously, and a therapist later explained to me that the, the tasting of the mildew when he kissed me was my unconscious telling me that the relationship was dark and dank and rotten. Mm. So I thought you would like that one um, just because it's a weird story to happen to anyone, but it's especially weird to have happened to your very, very clean friend, Jolie. That's, that's my story for you, Maureen. Bye. I would have expected that someone like her with her like cleanliness mm-hmm. thing would not have accepted, like, the therapist analysis and would have had to find out what the source of the breath yeah, was. Yeah, that's a great point. Right? I would also like to know what, was yeah, what totally. that guy's mouth do. Like, what is he eating? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> is <this> moss? I <laughs> do appreciate, though, that, like, that's what her psychosomatic mind would do. Yeah. Just, like, just yeah. raise the flag is just to be like, it needs to be cleaned and yeah. scrubbed away. But I always wonder this, like, could you date a smelly person if you really loved them? Could you just, like, get over the fact that they, like, I think you'd learn bad. to be turned on by the smell. Right? Yeah. I think if someone's—I have a friend who dated this really smelly dude, and she was like, but I like his smelliness. And I See? think it was one of those things like that, like, must. from the get. I don't think it was like she—like, she, you fall in love with somebody and you're like, I'll get over their smell or learn to love their smell. I think it's like either you're, like, perversely into his stinkiness or— <laughs> 
but it's also like being in your apartment when you haven't taken the trash out and you like get used to it and someone comes over and they're like, damn, like you've just gotten used to the smell and perhaps oh. you even like living in it, you know? I guess that could happen. Have I told you guys this story about like my smelly friend and his advice to me about <laughs> no, no. I feel like I, it's amazing I went through like a year of being on this podcast without talking about it when I, I like I, might, I guess it was my sophomore year in college this friend of mine who's like still to this day really really like smelly in like a hipster <laughs> smelly way um, oh but it's cool because like hipsters oh smelly. my friend yeah. would be so into him I bet she loves like the smelly hipsters <laughs> he was like getting ready to go to some dance and he was like which is it was weird that he was doing that at all, but and he, I was like, so what? What is this prep you're doing? And he's like, oh, well, I just need to like get the exact right amount of ball sweat going on, and I was like, see, so it's funny because you guys are like, you guys are like throwing up, but I was like, I was like, I feel like my naive self. I was like, Joey, isn't that no ball sweat? <laughs> and he was like, oh no, Dave, you have so much to learn. <laughs> What was he doing to get the ball yeah, swept that's away? a great question. I don't know, like some calisthenics or something. I don't know. Ugh. Ugh. Putting on some old, like some unwashed suits, you know. <laughs> wow, that's disturbing. <laughs> oh, Dave, you have so much to learn. Was that a theory that that was how we attracted women? Yeah, well, was, like, he's actually he's, he's some, something of a Lothario. So <laughs> I would say like he's he's done pretty well with his stench. And I know women who have been with him who are like, oh, they cannot shake this this memory of the stench. Like that it like upsets them or that they're like, I just need more no, intoxicating yeah. Still smell. think about that intoxicating smell. <laughs> I'm just bad. I'm like speechless. The ball sweat really <laughs> just knocked all thoughts out of my head. <laughs> Is he single? What's up with him? I think he's not single. Mm-hmm. Unfortunate. But I love that you went from like throwing up to being like, but is he available? <laughs> Intrigued. <laughs> well, I'm curious if like there are people that I've been like, I'm attracted to you for unknown reasons. Or was it secretly their ball sweat? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like it must maybe. Be ball sweat. I don't think I've ever been like, I can smell your balls and I'm into it. But like. <laughs> Thank you, Jolie, for starting yeah. my favorite conversation of this, this episode. We also have a call from a man. Joe from Newtown called in with his theory about the best way to dump someone. I just wanted to comment on the ideal way to break up with someone. Um, I have what I think is a pretty good method for it. My opinion is if you're dating someone and emotionally connecting with someone on like an intimate level and there was actually anything honest about that relationship, then when you break up, those emotions don't just go away. Um, I think it's important to do what I call the push off the cliff method, where you literally push them off the cliff and just cut all ties, cut all communication, um, and you reground yourself and you separate out um, the emotions from the relationship. And only when both parties have done that can you then have a conversation about whether or not you can – maintain a friendship without it affecting your future relationships. Um, so it's the push off the cliff method. Um, and long, it kind of seems pretty harsh when it's happening, but based on my experience long term, it does actually help to um, establish friendships. This guy seems like uh, 
a sociopath who has a spreadsheet about all of his breakups <laughs> that he's been like studying for lessons. The patterns and yeah. And I love it. I really support it. <laughs> of course you completely. Do. I think he's absolutely right. I fully support the push off a cliff method. Philosophically, I I, I agree with him. I do agree with the concept. Yeah. Um I do think he not is also right pushing. that as much as I think the reason to push someone off a cliff is not to like with the goal of being friends with them later, it is true though that I think only after a clean break break, for me at least, have I ever actually managed to like circle back. Right. Or even just think about them without imagining pushing them off of an actual cliff. Yeah. You know? this Do you have anger it. towards people that you break up with or just anger towards people that break up with you? I think sometimes, and I know Maureen's going to get after me, but I think that sometimes I do have anger towards people that I've broken up with. You're allowed to do that. I don't know, because you said you don't like you don't give sympathy to people who break up with someone oh. or just men. Well, as long as you don't need, like, <laughs> you can hate them. Yeah, totally. As long as you don't ask them to comfort you. Right. Or, you know. Yeah. You don't ask for extra, like, emotional labor from them. No. You know, I just silently hate them. I don't know. That's totally allowed. Yeah, totally I mean, allowed. why would you dump someone unless you were pissed at them? Well, if you didn't like them. Okay. Yeah. Very <laughs> <Or> quiet. <laughs> I do. Alyssa Shalasky, who was in the studio for an episode called The Day Her Baby Called Her Boyfriend Dad, she told us a really dramatic breakup story. The worst breakup, it was eight years ago when I was with a Greek Orthodox guy. Mm -hmm. And it was like a real, you know, Romeo and Juliet story. He couldn't marry. He didn't want to marry a non-Greek. We loved each other so hard, but he just could not bring a non-Greek girl home to his parents. He told me this on our first date that he would never uh-huh. marry out. And I stayed with him for three years, hid, like uh, hidden from his family. And I eventually left him because enough was enough. I was turning 30. I knew it was like, it just wasn't getting better. So I left him, but it was the hardest decision of my life because he, he really, he was my true love. He really was. And I think about him almost every day. Wow. Yeah. Are you guys still in touch? No, no, no. I have no idea if he's married or he's kind of an off the radar kind of guy. I used to say to my mom, this is really dark, but I would be like on my deathbed. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get married. I'm sure I'll have kids. I mean, I'm not so sure anymore about marriage, but I used to say this and um, I'm sure I'll have a very happy life. But he will be the person I think about on my deathbed. Like I thought wow. it would never it, he would never leave my soul. And he really hasn't. I mean, of course I can move on. I've moved on. It's yeah. been almost 10 years. And I don't need to see him. I've never even, like, looked him up on Facebook or anything. I mean, it was really yeah. over. I'm not one to look back. But, um, but no, I don't know. It's, it makes me sad. It's like I could, I could cry talking about it right now, and it's been almost 10 years, and I mean, I've never seen him or Googled him. But oh it's, still, it's very sad. I loved him so much. I, I adored him. This was so intense. Oh, God, I know. You know, people always talk about, like, the one that got, got away. Or, yeah. And when people say, like, you'll get over it eventually, the idea that actually you maybe you don't. Ugh. Or you just live with it, right? Because she's perfect. I mean, she's really happy. She has, like, a great life. She has everything she wants. And this is now that she's, she's – this is before she found her current. Yeah, this was, like, 10 years ago, so okay. it was quite a while ago. Huh. But I guess she just lives with that. I don't think I could do that without, like, trying something crazy to, like, get that person back all the time. Just, like, messaging on Facebook every three months, like, want (laughs) to hang? Thinking about me yet? No. It's so dark to think about what you're going to think about on your deathbed. Well, I know. Right? It really brought us down with that one. (laughs) I don't know. Do you you believe that there are things you just, like, don't get over like that? What's unusual is hearing somebody who is completely, like, I'm not over this, but she's also, like, a well-adjusted person. Right. Who just, like, lives with this... I mean, I guess it's a loss, really, like, to just, like, live with a loss, which people do. I feel like there are things that some people don't get over ever in life. 
I don't well, yeah. think I've known somebody who didn't get over a romantic, like a romantic thing like that. Just the I, fact that she thinks about it like every day. That's I bet she doesn't talk about it every day. I think there's I think it's like a Martin Amos quote, I think. No man ever spends the time on his deathbed regretting that he slept with too many women. So it's like he's basically like every man is going to be thinking about the women he didn't sleep with on his deathbed. <laughs> Ah, that's a real glass half empty, half full situation. Yeah. Yeah. Glass half Martin or Alyssa. Dark. <laughs> yeah. The theme yeah. of like the age of 30 has come up now. Like, Yeah. Right? Dan Savage, which actually surprised me because I would not have pegged him for somebody with like turning like 30. Alarmist, right? Monogamy, like anxiety. Yeah. Hmm. Thank God we're all past that, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's too late it's to have it. Did you have a meltdown when you turned 30? I had a meltdown. Um, Am I t- at 29? I was like the lead up to 30. I went real nuts with that. Oh, because you're like precocious. You're just advanced. I, yeah. You know, always ahead of the curve. But then at 30, I was like, oh, it's chill. Like This is fine. I've turned 30. I'm in the 30. It's fine. Yeah. But 29, I was like a holy nightmare. About dating or about just everything? Ev- well, everything, but like specifically about dating. Huh. Uh, yeah. Did your parents get together before they were 30? Oh, my God. They got together at, what, 21? What? Yeah, 2021. Allison's parents recently found out that she was once the host of a sex podcast. My brother's new girlfriend <laughs> blew up my spot. What? <laughs> yeah. What happened? Breakups, Damien. Think about it. Um, so <laughs> I met her. She's great. Her name is Elaine. And my parents had no idea I did sex lives for like, like two years. Right? I protected the secret. <laughs> And at dinner, she was like, I have to, like, you're the Allison Davis that worked at New York Magazine. I loved you on the sex podcast. My parents were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, different Allison Davis. Really? The other black Allison Davis. This happens all the time. You know, you got Allison Davis. And uh, then later on, I was like, that was me, but never mention it again. If you want to stay in that relationship with my brother. <laughs> I'm not threatening you, but I have pull here, Elaine. Well, so do your parents... Still think it was the other Allison Davis? I think so. It's like the way my mom like truly believed for the longest time that it only had sex one time. Mm. From the age, like I told her I lost my virginity, and from that age, I, I was like twenty four and like living with a boyfriend. She was like, "Oh, she's only had sex once." Like that was just what she believed, and uh, I was not going to do it again until I got married. So she believes a lot of things. She's she a magical thinker. Yeah, for her, <laughs> she manifests. I suppose. But would she be so opposed to a sex podcast? Because she also writes her erotica. I know. It's really funny. But as long as it's not real sex involving her child, I think she's totally fine with it. I get that. Yeah. We have one last voice message from Christopher Trout, who you last heard on episodes called Gay Son of a Preacher Man and Father, Son, and a Holy Reckoning. <laughs> so let's hear what I haven't listened to this one yet. Chris just called in from like an airport terminal, I think. So sorry if you can hear CNN in the background. I am at the airport recording this. Uh, I'm so sorry to see you guys go. But if I had any advice for breaking up, it would be uh, don't get revenge, get skinny, and get laid. And if you can, get a book deal out of it. (laughs) That's so true. That's the best advice I've ever heard. Now I need to know what his breakup book is going to be. Also, how much weight did he lose? I have a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) He came in studio once, right? Mm-hmm. And he was, yeah, he was like really thin. He's really hot. Wait, was he the one who ta- told us how to have sex with yourself using like virtual reality? Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then he I interviewed him. Guests. Oh, he's the best. I interviewed yeah. him with his dad. Yeah, that was great. Oh, interesting. It was like intense one. and crazy. I know. I feel very involved in like his, his life. His relationship with his dad was now. like so sweet, wasn't it? It was really. Yeah. I think I teared up. <laughs> I mean, like there's a lot of feelings in the room. Anyways. 
on that note, I'm not going to get skinny once we end this podcast, but, you know. <laughs> In theory. I hope. Let's all get skinny and get laid. Done. All right. Thank you. Send off. Thank you guys for coming. Thanks Yay. for bringing us back. Yeah. R.I.P. Sex Lives. Yeah. Before we go, you guys should all go read Maureen's piece in this issue of New York Magazine, which is an amazing essay on how streaming porn and particular Pornhub, particularly Pornhub, has changed. Like, well, Maureen can tell you more than I can. But the way that we think about sex and the way that we imagine sex is truly amazing. Yeah. On newsstands now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no more podcasts, but you can subscribe to the magazine. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, I'm waving. I can't see what I'm waving. <laughs> <laughs> like waving tomorrow. Like, like a Goodbye. Toddler. Bye, everyone. I know, and it's over. We're never going to speak to each other again after this. So that's the end. Um, thanks for listening. Sex Lives is produced by Afim Shapiro and Jordan Bell. And thank you also to Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks for listening. And we will... I usually say we'll talk to you next week, but we're done. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.